taste the pillar of fire Leading the church of God again Leading us back to the Bible Leading us away from sin Showing the resurrected Savior Showing himself alive again What we have is the pillar of fire Whether we see it or not, that's the truth. And we know it because something's burning in our hearts. Good to see you all here on a Wednesday. God bless you. Nice to have people back in their regular places. And uh, God bless you. We had a good weekend both in Saskatchewan and in here. So good to be back here on a Wednesday. Just a quick announcement. We had made a prayer request on Sunday night for the brothers in Flagstaff there was a fire and uh, was threatening them. And uh, a day later, when Brother Dale Smith returned to his uh, place and he took a picture, it was all good. And he said, saved, saved, saved. <laughs> so we thank God for that. Um, on the other hand, we haven't been hearing a lot lately from the believers in the Ukraine. Although it was a number of years ago, my wife and I, we went to Ukraine and we went into the Russian area of Ukraine, which is the eastern part. We went into Donetsk, and there's a church there, and the, the church is um, with a pastor, Brother Vladimir Ryabov, and the church was about 200, 250 at the time we were there. They underwent uh, war, civil war, with, with Russian-based uh, insurrection, and so they were under sort of militant control, but the war has come very close to them. In the last two, three days, the, the, the city of Donetsk um, has been under heavy missile attack. A lot of the missiles have been intercepted by an anti-missile system. Many civilian buildings were damaged, including a maternity ward. One of the missiles hit a marketplace where a sister works. She was pushed down by the explosion wave. She was not hurt. And this is only one mile from Brother Vladimir's house. He is encouraging the believers to leave the city. They are in desperate need of our prayers. And I don't know if how you feel, but sometimes when we have the comforts that we have, somewhere there's somebody going through something. And as a body, when one suffers, we all suffer. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. So we're going to remember them in prayer. And in the upcoming days, if you can remember them in prayer, we're going to try to keep you posted on these things. I've been in touch with Brother Barry Coffey on that. So we've made some, some financial help, but prayerful help is much needed. Amen. Let's just sing, Come Holy Spirit, I need thee. I need thee. You need them tonight? I do. <clears throat> Come Holy Spirit, I need thee. Come 
thy strength and thy power. before the Lord now. Come, Holy Spirit, I need Thee. Come, sweet Spirit, I pray. Oh, come in Thy strength and softly and we bow our heads heavenly father one more time we come before the throne of grace lord as a people we've sung songs we've just separated for this little time midweek lord we we see a world outside that's decaying that's falling apart but lord somehow in the midst of all of that you've got a people and father we've come here tonight just to be built up just to be helped along the way Lord, we're in the midst of a spiritual journey. And Lord, we're needing you step by step as we go along the way. Lift up our faith, Lord. Encourage us tonight in the word. Lord, you know every heart, every hand that was lifted. You know every person that's here tonight, Father. We're asking that you will come. The supernatural God will minister to every one of us from the youngest to the oldest, Lord, from the family members to the children to the visitors to those wherever they may be, Lord. You, we ask, O oh Lord, that you will speak to our hearts and, Lord, cause us that we may just be softened, that we may be more tender to you. Lord, bless the word tonight, we ask, and we commit everything said and done into your hands. In Jesus' name, and, Lord, while we're standing, we remember our brothers and our sisters in the Ukraine. Lord, our brother Vladimir, such a stable brother for so many years. Lord, a church that was 250 was reduced down to 50 a few years ago. And Lord, it seems like they're having to be scattered. But oh God, I ask that you would keep them. I pray, oh Lord, that you'd be a shelter around them, that you'd send your angels around them, Father. Lord, we're going to meet them one day, and they're going to have a testimony. And Lord, we're praying for them even tonight. Be their portion, Father. We ask this tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you to the musicians. I'll invite you to turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 18. I'm going to use a number of scriptures tonight. We just want to make this a, a simple thought down home. Um, but... You know, I, I, I sometimes think our humanity, Luke chapter 18, I'll be in verse 1, sometimes our humanity makes things more complicated than they are. And, um, you know, if, if we would look at it, well, you know, I, I like Paul because he got into the deep things. You know, and I, I wouldn't want to sit under Peter because, you know, Peter had his complexes about Paul, you know, and, and think, and then, but the king of all kings came down to earth and he expressed the deepest things in parables. Amen. 
So we're going to just read some of those parables tonight and different things. So Luke chapter 18 in verse 1. And he spake a parable unto this, to them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. So this is a judge who didn't fear God, didn't regard man. He was an unjust judge. But her approach and her attitude changed him. Now we're standing before a just judge, one who is faithful and who is true. So if we come with the same attitude, how much more will we get what we ask for? Verse 6, and the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge saith, shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto them, though he bear long with them. So he's asking a question. Will he avenge them? Absolutely. Verse 8, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Now, a week ago we had the service and we, we played a part of the message from Burley Williams about the besiege and how the enemy tries to wear us down and tries to take away and sap us of our strength. But God is saying, no, I'm going to give you enough. So we want to be able to be found faithful. So the last part of the verse says, nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. God bless you. You may have your seats. I'll ask you to turn in your Bible to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 7. So these are simple parables, but I'm going to use them. And my words, as a prophet would tell us, would fail, but God's words will not fail. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask, and it shall not be given you. Seek, and good luck finding it. Uh, knock and just keep knocking. No, that's not what it says. If the first part is true, if he's telling us, if this is Jesus telling us to ask, then we should ask. You know, sometimes we ask not because we believe not. But if we can ask. I met a, I met a man years ago. He was a simple man. He came off the streets. And he said, I didn't have a lot of faith. But he said, you know, I just prayed the little faith I had that God would help me. And if I didn't have enough faith to be able to ask, that he would give me the faith to be able to ask and the faith to be able to believe. And he just kept adding to it. So I think, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. 
So this is, this is truth. So if the first part, if God is telling you to ask, he wants to give it to you already. If he's telling you to knock, he wants you to get something. And if he's telling you that, that you should look for something, he wants you to find it. Verse, five, verse 9, what man is there of you that if his son ask for bread, that he will give him a stone? Mom, can I have some banana bread? Sure, here, take this stone. No, she wouldn't do that. That's your mom. She wouldn't do that. She, she wouldn't want a dentist bill, and she wouldn't want all these other things, and she wants to give you things that are nutrients. But if, if, if a son asks bread, will he give him a stone? If he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? The answer is no. So if you, now if we, who are, are not at the level God is, we're parents, we've got an element of God, but if, if, if we would do good things, how much more our Heavenly Father, he says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Now, I, I like the song, uh, I think it was Sister Emma, she used to sing it, God any rivers that you think are incrossable, God any mountains, and it says, you know, God specializes in things that are impossible. And sometimes the mountain in front of us, the devil makes it look so bad. He makes it look so big. He said, I've got this family trait that I can't overcome. It's a temper or it's a lust or whatever it may be. Or I, 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 I've, got, I've got a weakness, whether it be in drinking or smoking or whatever it is. And you might think, there's no way I'll ever overcome it. But God doesn't want you to be that. And the devil wants you to be in fear of it, doesn't want you to be able able to possess it, but God wants you by simplicity to be able to take steps to overcome those things. He doesn't try to make it afar off, but the devil tries to make it that way in our mind. But we want to just approach it from the level that Jesus is teaching us here. Now, I'm going to share this quotation, and this is out of the message, um, um, he swore by himself. <coughs> Faith is unconscious. You sometimes have faith and don't even know it. That's right. Now, I'm, I'm going to just use a couple, I'm just going to inject a couple things, just to Wednesdays and do things quickly. Sometimes we get a feeling against one another, and, and the flesh rubs, and it does something wrong, and the prophet tells us, he says, now when you get that feeling, and you think there's something there, but watch when something happens to that person, if your heart doesn't reach out to them. And there's where real faith is. It's underneath. Sometimes the outer man, it obscures it. Other things cloud it. So he says, sometimes you have faith and you don't know it. Now he says, Jesus Christ, no matter if he was in a storm or there was a gale beating him from one side or the other or he was standing in the face of a mess of demons, it never moved him. And, and the prophet would tell us in perfect faith, we will need more faith in this hour than ever before. And they say, oh, well, forget it. I'll never do it. No, that's not what he's saying. The faith will be given by God. Yeah. 
And it will be by the word he sends. And it will be by simple faith, trusting in him. So he would say, he walked, Jesus walked along as calm and quiet as he could be. Why? He was unconscious of fear, anything around him. Whatever was going to happen, whether it was going to happen or it wasn't going to ha happen because God said so. So sometimes our minds are, are, are triggered by the things we listen to. You listen to the news. Okay, well, this is going to happen. Therefore, I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to just stay in. And he says, like the Bible would say in the book of Proverbs, a man who, who, is, who is not faithful, he's scared because the saying is there's a lion in the streets. Therefore, I'm not going to go out. No, I, it doesn't matter what it is. I'm here for God. God will take care of me. God will protect me. But it's like the man who was caught in the middle of a, it was a dark night. It was in winter. And his car broke down. And, and, and his car broke down. And he, he thought, oh, I, I, how am I going to get help? And he saw a light in the distance. And he says, okay, well, I'm going to go towards that light. Well, it's late at night. They're, they're, they, maybe they're, they're, they're not, they're, they're, maybe they won't be happy to see me. And he's thinking all of these thoughts and, and he says maybe they're sleeping and maybe there's this and maybe he'll be upset at me and maybe this and by the time he gets to the door and he knocks at the door and the guy opens he says I don't want your help anyway because he had got to a place in his mind and that's how we get we don't even have the faith and when we get there I knew God wouldn't allow me to do that but the Syrophoenician woman, she had all kinds of obstacles. She wasn't the right race. She wasn't the right person. And Jesus even rebuffed her and said, it's not fit for me to do those things. But something on the inside told her, in that man there is some of what I have need of. And so we believe in what God has showed us in this hour, no matter what's around us. And we want to walk with that. So... I just say, let's be in a channel where faith can work. And he says, faith is unconscious. How often in a prayer line, somebody would come up and they would be, um, you know, just there. And he said, and, and, and the prophet would do it. And they would just in simplicity receive it. And he'd say, you had more faith than you thought you did. Because the faith, just a simple step going up. The woman that touched Jesus' garment, she just, she just said, if I can just touch his garment. Now, other people might need more than that, but she just touched him. Jesus never felt it, but he felt the faith because virtue went out of him. So I'm, I'm, I just want to just stay simple on, on this thought for a bit. So Jesus knew it was going to happen because God said so. He didn't say, I wonder if I prayed through. Did I fast long enough? No, he walked on in unconsciousness. He believed what God said was true. His words must be fulfilled. And he knowed his life was to fulfill them. And we are here too to fulfill them. Walk unconscious of fear. Walk unconscious of criticism. Walk unconscious of the world. 
Brother Ed, haven't you read the news lately? Don't you know what's going on in the government? Don't you know that they're passing a law that, that's going to be a censorship to streaming? Yes, I know all these things. But as long as we're here, God's going to look after us. Don't you know that, that the, the pressure on the world and the finances? Yes, I know. But we're walking with God. We're just saying that. Walk with him. Don't pay attention to the right or the left. If something comes up in the church, walk with God. If something comes up, sickness strikes you, walk with God. If your neighbor doesn't like you, walk with God. If somebody cuts you off, walk with God. If you, if you get up in a long lineup at a Tim Hortons, walk with God. Some of those things were added. You guess which ones. But anyway, keep walking with God. Let's go to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. By design, this is meant to be simple. And I don't, simple because I believe we are a simple people. Mark chapter 4. And we will read this from verse 30. No, oh, sorry, verse 26. So, again, a parable that Jesus gives to them. So is a kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground, and he should sleep, and he should rise night and day, and the, she the seed should spring and grow up. He knows not how. For the earth brings forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, and after that the full corn in the ear. And when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Now Jesus brings a parable here. Um, it starts by faith. Now the goal is you need to have a harvest at the end. But in order to have a harvest, you have to plant first. So you can't just come to the end and expect everything's going to be there. There's actually a process that you have to engage in. When did Noah prepare the ark? Before the rain. How many years before? 120 years before. Because God moved on him, God spoke to him, and he says, you're going to need to have an ark for the saving of your household. And he said, okay, what do I got to do? Start building an ark. What do I need an ark for? There's never been rain, there's never been anything. Start building an ark. And he did exactly what God told him. There's going to be an end to the world. There's going to be an end to the systems. There's going to be an end. What do I do? Prepare an ark. The ark of safety is in Christ. Stay in that ark. Build yourself. Fortify yourself. So it's not just a one-time step. You know what? There may have been a lot of people that thought, well, if it really starts to rain, I'll sneak into the ark. But the problem was, God had designed it that the door was closed before the rain ever fell. And it's going to be that way in the end time again to fulfill the types. If you're waiting for things to happen, I'll slip in at the end. I'll be able to do it. You know, the devil is a tremendous, he's a tremendous advisor in the art of procrastination. He will tell you, 
There's more time. You're just young. Don't worry. There'll be time for you. But you don't know the time and you don't know the hour. Brother Charlie and Sister Rachel Collins never thought that a year and a half after they were married, they would be killed in an explosion. But they made their calling and election sure. You don't know the time or the hour. And the devil's duty is, oh, there's still time. It's still far out there. But you need to start planting seed first. And after you plant seed, you need to have faith that which you've planted, you need to wait for it. Okay, so Jesus gives us, I'm not going to have time to go into this in full depth, but it says he would sleep and he would not know how it would grow up. Now, Brother Manum would tell us about a seed. He said the word is a seed. You put a seed in the ground. I'm saying this for the benefit of you that have planted gardens. I'm, I'm just doing this to help you. Okay, those of you who have planted, you, you're... You're okay. But if you're a first-time gardener and you haven't planted, this, is, this will help you. Well, how's it growing? Like, I actually had to help my mom. My mom's older. She's 89. She can't plant. But one of her joys is a garden. So I actually went and helped her plant the garden. And so she would tell me, this is how you do it. You take that old potato, make sure that the eyes are sticking up, plant it, push it in firmly, and cover it with dirt. And, and so I did it, and she kept telling me, I don't think she believed I was doing it right. But she told me the other day on the phone, I can see all those potatoes, as if she's surprised. I can do it too, Mom. <laughs> so I'm just saying this. There's a process. So once it's planted, you gotta let, you got to commit it to the ground and say, I know there's a reason for all this rain. It's to get that tomato up and get that potato up so my mom isn't wondering anymore. That's what it was for. And she's happy to know they're just coming up like soldiers, she said. So anyway, she, now the whole thing is, he says now, you don't, you plant it, you don't come the next morning and dig it up and see if it's growing. You're going to hinder the growth. You commit it to the ground. Sometimes you make a decision for God. I, I think it was Stonewall Jackson. He said, he says, I, I commit myself to God, and I, I commit myself to God, and I leave the results up to him. Because you plant it, God brings the increase. So he'll, he'll say, plant the seed, commit it to the earth. God does the rest of it. Don't dig it up. Any promise that God makes, plant it in your heart. Say, it's mine. Give it. God gave it to me. Now, I, I was just communicating with Brother Ron Spencer, and I was listening to his last service a little bit just the other day. And he was telling me about a time that he was preaching at a meeting. It was a tent meeting. He was telling everybody. He was telling me because I was listening. I was the only one listening at the time. But he was, he was saying, Brother Jewel, he was, he, was, he was going to be preaching at a tent meeting. Brother Jewel Forney is getting ready to go to the meeting, and he goes to his closet to get dressed, and he's going to be one of the preachers that's sitting in the back. And he says he comes to the back, and one of the preachers, as he comes to the closet, God speaks to him and says, you're going to help Brother Ron in the prayer line tonight. Put on a suit. And he put on a suit. 
So that, that night, Brother Ron says, he's, he's coming to the end. He's coming to the end. And he says, I just feel like to have a prayer line right now. And he says, I'd like some of you ministers to come up. Brother Jewel was sitting up in a group of about 40 ministers. He's the one who jumped up and came running to the front, even though he told them all. Why did he come? Because God spoke to him. Why do you come? Because God speaks to you. Why doesn't somebody else come? Because God doesn't speak to them. So faith is based on God speaking to you. And if he speaks to you, you respond. And that's faith. That's how simple faith is. Why did you respond to the message? Because God spoke to you. If you're here because you have to be here, you haven't, don't have real faith yet. Maybe God has you here. Maybe he allowed you to be in a home as he did with me where tapes were played, where I had a background. But it still had to come to a season where God made it real. Now, he says... Every word of God is germatized by God himself. God is in his word. It will grow. Now, there's a season of planting. There's a right seed, season of, of harvest. I'm not going to go further. I'm just talking about simplicity. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Hebrews is the faith chapter. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, I, I'm, this is how God formed the world. He spoke when there was nothing, but he believed his word, and it came to pass. Now, it also says here, well, it says that in verse 3. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which were not, which, were, which are seen, were not made of things which do appear. So, you are standing right now on this earth, the spoken word of God. It was never always here, but you're standing on it because God believed it. God wanted it to be here, and he also wanted you to be here. So in verse 2 it says, For faith, by it the elders obtained a good report. Drop down to verse 5. So one of the elders was Enoch. Enoch, by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. And he was not found. Now this is one of the most amazing scriptures. By faith, Enoch was translated. In other words, he moved from this earthly dimension into another dimension. He's a type of what God is going to do on a mass scale one day. He was translated that he should not see death, and he was not found. A few years ago, we had a play that we did with the young people, which was called Looking for Enoch. And they were all looking for him, but they couldn't find him. And, and it was Enoch, if you actually go back and you read the things that are said, Enoch would walk with God. So, so the testimony here is that because God had translated him, for before his testimony, he had this testimony that he pleased God. If you actually follow that word, that pleases, he excited God. 
he, there was something about Enoch that God found great pleasure in because he saw when, when, when God said something and he spoke to Enoch in the morning, he said, come walk with me. Enoch would do it. And, he, and God found pleasure in that. So maybe one day he walked up to here. And, and, and then he went back. And the next day God says, come walk with me, Enoch. And, and he walked a little further. And before you know it, he was over here. And, and maybe his family asked him, where did you go today, Enoch? We, we didn't see you. I, I was just out alone. They were out a long time. And then was, as, as he journeyed further, every day he walked with God, but he walked a little further. And one day he went so far down the road that the entrance to heaven was closer than to go back home. And God said, come with me, Enoch. And he was gone. And everybody said, where'd he go? He's hiding. No, that wasn't what he said. But he said, Enoch was gone. They couldn't find him. But it wasn't a one-time thing. It wasn't just snap the finger. You know, I, I don't know if you've thought about this. I, I'm, I'm trying to bring this to a reality. Sometimes we put things afar off. Oh, he says, when the bride knows who she is, then we'll be gone. And, and we keep putting it off there. We keep putting it off there. We, and, and, and you know what? We don't walk in it. But I think we should walk in it. I think we should test it. Listen, when you implement something, when you apply something. Did I put my title up there? Ethan, uh, anyway, I, no, I can't even remember. You can put the title up. But when we apply something, listen, how do you apply it? Sometimes there's this big disconnect between church life, what we do here, nod our heads, amen, sing a song, raise our hands, and then we go out and it's like nothing happened here, and everything out here, it's another world. Actually, I think the world should be the same. You know, we used to have business meetings. We'd have a meeting with a client, and we'd have a client meeting, and we would be there with them. And, and we, we'd all sat there, a couple people, a couple staff. We're doing everything with the client. The client leaves. We would have a follow-up meeting, which was called a debriefing. And, and the debriefing, we would say, hey, I, I, she was looking for this and this. He was looking for this and this. This is how we should approach it. This is how we should do it. You do this. You do this. So after the meeting, we had a debriefing. We would do it. Then we would go and apply it. You do this. You do that. What's wrong with after a church service? After a church service is saying, what did the Lord speak to you? You know, how, how did God deal with you? And it doesn't have to be super spiritual every time. But did you see how the Holy Spirit moved in that song? Did you see? You start to apply it. You start to implement it. It's not a far off. It's not just you come into a service, okay, we'll all do what we got to do, and then we'll go back to regular out there. No, it's one and the same. Let's apply it. Let's embrace it. Let's just walk in it. Let's not, like, I, I, I love it. Just as I find over the years of marriage, you know, with my wife and I, we, we have more fellowship on the word than we've ever had. We talk about how God does things and how God's doing these things. And we bring it into our conversation. And it's a reality. We bring it into our prayer life. We bring it into the messages we listen to. And then when we come back to church, it's already there. And it's, it takes us further down the road. Listen, this isn't for old people and married people. And, and especially when they're both falling in one class. This is for everyone. This is for Brother Landon. 
He comes and sits up here. God, he's a blessing to me when I see him here. And I thought, this is wonderful. And he was the one who wanted to sit here. How did that happen? Because he's in an atmosphere and he comes up here. And he's a blessing. Sorry to, to point on you. But so are the other brothers. So are some of the sisters. And if I start naming them, they're all going to turn red. And they're all looking at each other right now. Is he going to talk, call me out or what? Yeah, no. What's wrong with young people? Hey, did you hear about the hockey game last night? I don't know. Was there a hockey game last night? There wasn't. Okay. It doesn't matter. Our team's out. So, but did you, did you hear what Brother Wayne spoke the other service? You know, I was just reading that in a quote, and we share it. So with, with the ministering brothers, we just have a little chat, and we just share things and share quotes and share burdens. What does it do? It builds up faith. It builds up a connection. And, and we should apply that. Listen, we're, we're talking. I'm, I'm just coming to it. There's an application of things. It's not just talked about, but it's applied. And when it's applied, it shows that faith is putting it in the ground. When, when, you, when, you, when a farmer does planting, he, he, he plants it, but he has a tool. It's called an implementer. And the implementer pushes the seed in. So it's not just on the surface that it's blown away, but it actually hits the ground. And it actually is starting to do something. That's what we should be doing. Are, are, are we good with this tonight? I, I just wanted to be faith in what we're doing. So, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, for he had this translation. Before his translation, he had before his translation. When did he have this testimony? Before he was raptured. When did Noah build the ark? Be, when, when, did Noah, when did Noah build the ark? Before the rain came. When did the bride get ready? When did she get married? Before the rapture. When did she start walking with God? Years before the rapture. Verse 6, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that A, he is. He's God. He's not a God of history. He's a God of today. He sees me where I am. And he is a rewarder of them that half-heartedly seek him. Did I misread something again? Yes, I did. Okay. Of them... That partially seek him. No, diligently seek him. Knock. But I did that yesterday. Do it again today. Hey, nothing's happening. I did that last week. Lord, I'm here. It's me. I'm still knocking, Lord. You promised me whatever I, I would believe. I could have it, Lord. I'm knocking, Lord. Is that you? Is that me? We're knocking, Lord. We're following you, Lord. Let's go to Genesis 12. Verse 1. The Lord said unto Abram, Get out from your country, and from your kindred, and from your father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. Now he didn't say, go circle around the block and you can come back. No, leave it. Put it behind you. 
And until you're willing to do what Abraham did. Now listen, Abraham said, okay, I'm going to leave. And he goes and says, oh, I forgot the peanut butter. Let me go back and get the peanut butter. Oh, I forgot. Listen, you'll always find an excuse to go back. But when you totally separate, and God sees that you separate. Now he didn't just say, leave the geographics of your house. But he actually said, leave your kindred or all your old life behind. And from your father's house. This is really, wow, this is really separate. When you walk with God, you walk with him. Now, God, you don't walk alone, but you do walk alone. God gives you support. But when you surrender to him, he walks with you. And now, here's the promise. Now, it wasn't just do this and you're going to be a nomad. No, here's the promise. I want you to look how many times the word I is used in the next two verses. And the I refers to God. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you. And I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. Now what has Abraham got to do with this? Nothing. God's going to do it. And I will bless them that bless you. And I will curse them that curse you. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Wow. So God says separate. But here's the promise. One verse dedicated to separation. Two verses dedicated to promises. Now all of that means nothing without verse 4. And now everybody turns to verse 4. And the Bible says, So Abraham departed as he thought in his own mind. No. He did it as the Lord had spoken unto him. So he did it that way. Now along with Abraham, there went Lot. And if you go back to chapter 11, also his dad went with him. Others went with him. But the promise was to Abraham. I want to read something to you about Abraham. Because we all talk about Abraham and we call him the father of the faith. Oh, if I had the faith of Abraham. You do. In seed form. Here's, here's what Brother Branham says. Let's think of Father Abraham. He was just an ordinary man. He came down with his father from Babylon and dwelt in the valleys of Shinar, in the city, in the, in the city of Ur, in the land of the Ch Chaldeans. He wasn't any, nothing special. He wasn't any sainted person. He was just an ordinary man like you and I. Now, if you think you're something special, you already are a step up on Abraham. But Abraham was nothing special. He was a farmer in the fields farming, and one day he met God. Now, listen to this next statement. He never had no more faith than any other man. Oh, wow. That's me. Yeah. I didn't have no more faith than any other man. Abraham didn't have no more faith. But when he met God at the age of 75 years old, it changed his entire being because he met God. Now, isn't that all the difference? Because he met God. So there's a journey. There's a seed to our, to our faith. There's a, there's a beginning to all of it. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 6. I'm jumping to a few scriptures. 
not going excessively fast. I'm just trying to lay this in from a scriptural viewpoint completely. Hebrews 6. Now, I remember when I first came out and I heard about Abraham as the father of the faith. And it said he walked with God and he waited 25 years for the promise. And I go, oh man, am I ever glad I don't have to wait 25 years for the promise. Yeah, I've been serving God for 35 years and I'm still waiting for the promise of the rapture. But along the way, he's given other promises. He's, he's cleansed me from sin. He's put me in our new walk with him. He's given me a wonderful wife. He's given me wonderful children. He's given me brothers and sisters. He walks with me and I walk with him. And the, and the creme de la creme is when all, those of you who are French, the creme de la creme. I don't know how to say that in German. But there's a brother there who can give the divine interpretation. And, and, and listen, he, he walked with him, and the, and the benefit at the end of all of this is to be with God in eternity, to be in a rapture, to escape this corrupt earth. What a benefit. Why would you want to do anything different? So we can look at it and say, 25 years, oh, man. But on the other hand, Abraham goes, he had 25 years to sing. He had 25 years to plan. He had 25 years of blessings. He had 20. It's more than just a drudgery. And it was God building his faith. So, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater... Now, God says, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this. And Abraham had a right to say, okay, who's going to do this? God said, I'm going to do it. There's nobody greater than me. I'm going to do it. And on top of that, he swore. He says, I'm going to, I'm going to keep my covenant with you. So here Paul is picking this up and saying, he swore by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, surely blessing, I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. Wow. So what was Abraham's faith built on? His age? I dare say not. 75 years old and he called me now? Aren't you glad that they don't live as long? This age? He calls us a little earlier. Listen, he says, so... The next verse says, And so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Now, this is not an easy one. How many loves the fruits of the Spirit? Love. How many like love? Peace. Joy. Long-suffering. There's one. <laughs> Did you know a fruit of the Spirit is long-suffering? Long? That's a fruit of the Spirit? What did I sign up for? Yeah. Listen, it isn't always easy. But if it was easy, everybody would sign up for it. But because you're in love with God and because you're doing that, I'm willing to endure. I'm willing to go through things. So he would say, after he patiently endured, he obtained the promises. Listen, you can read the rest of this from verses 16 to 19, but it talks about the, Im the immutability of God, of his counsel. God could not lie. Therefore, we also have a strong consolation. You know, the little stories that we hear 
you know, that Jesus would tell. Would a, a father give his son, uh, uh, if he asked for bread, would he give him a stone? Would he give him, if he asked, if he asked for something, uh, if, would he give him a snake? No, he wouldn't give him a snake. So all of these things are showing the heart of God wanting to fulfill his promises in your life. There's things I find that God makes very real to each of us in a different way. For one, it may be faith for a certain thing. For another, it's faith for another thing. But if God gave you that faith, don't let go of it. Whatever you do, hang on to it. Don't let anything come between it. Let God give it to you. Let him, let him bring the promise to you. Let him make it real to you. So I'm not going to read the rest of that. Jeremiah 29. This is just a, just to drop this in. This is one of everybody's verses in the Bible that he knows. But this is right when the children of Israel are in the midst of captivity for their disobedience. And God has them in the land of Babylon for 70 years. But they're there and they haven't even finished their time. But now God speaks to the prophet Jeremiah and he says this in verse, verse 10. He said, thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you. And I will perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. Now, Jeremiah was back in the land of Israel, so he's prophesying from there. He's saying, now you're going out, but after 70 years, you're going to come back. Now, this is in a foreshadow, just like we talked about Abraham as a foreshadow, just like we talked about um, uh, uh, Enoch as a foreshadow. So is this a foreshadow of Israel. 70 years naturally, but in Daniel it talks about 70 weeks of years, which is 490, and Israel has fulfilled so many, but in the last half week, which is, which is, the last week is seven years, but in the middle of that last three and a half years, there's the, there's the Messiah comes, and then after that, after that time, God's going to fulfill the 70 weeks of years. So what God shows in a type here is happening in the world right around us. One of the most amazing stories is how Israel became a nation. You can read documentaries on it. Now, Israel is a natural type of a spiritual people. And there, there's a whole series, I think it's called Against All Odds. And, and the world has no idea how Israel became a nation. But I'll say this, the God of Israel is also the God of the bride. And I, I think it was General Allenby. He, it was uh, the land of Palestine was under the rule of uh, the Turks and, and such. And, and Allenby was a, a general from, from uh, England, I believe. And so he, was, he, was, he had an idea on how they could overtake the land. And he says, we're going to fly every plane that we can. Because there was a scripture that he went through out of Isaiah. He, God inspired him out of Isaiah. And he says on the, on the backs of eagles. Uh, so he made it. They flew all these planes over the land of Palestine. And, and the Turks heard. And they heard that Allah was flying planes over. They didn't know it was Allenby. They thought it was Allah. He said, oh man, we got to surrender. 
I mean, it was supernatural. But God did it. And they turned that land, that land was, was turned over. And, and you follow this all through. That same God is on the behalf of a spiritual people called the bride. In the midst of, of Catholicism and denominationalism and, and, and worldliness and all of this, God's pulling a people out for himself. And we're a part of that people. So he says, I know the thoughts, I think, the thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then you shall call on me. Now, wh- when will you call on me? When you know the heart of God towards you. When you recognize that he brought you into this. Not just that, that to make you live a life of drudgery, but to separate you. That the king of kings would want to have fellowship with you. Then shall you call on me. And then shall you go and pray unto me. Now look, first he's telling him, this is my heart towards you. Then you're going to call on me. Then you're going to pray on me. And I will hearken unto you. I will listen to you. And you shall seek me and find me when you will search for me with a half-hearted appeal. No, with all your heart. Now there's a condition here. Sometimes we just, ah, okay, Lord help me. He's not helping me. Lord help me. Still no help. Okay, I give up. That's not going to cut it. No, but when you say, Lord, this is what you promised. And I'm holding you to your promise. Verse 14. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord. And I will turn away your captivity. And I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places. Whither I have driven you saith the Lord, and I will bring you again unto the place wherein I caused you to be captive. Oh, the goodness of God. The goodness of God. It's wonderful. There's other scriptures I could take here. I, w- I won't, I'm going to skip past First, Pe- First Peter chapter 3, but it, in First Peter chapter 3, it talks about the long-suffering of God you know, you might be in heaviness through manifold temptations, but the trial of your faith, though betrayed with fire. He talks about all of this. Uh, and he says in verse 17, Gird up the loins of your mind, be sober. Hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to just, just take this scripture, Revelations 3. I never even announced my title, but a daily applied faith will keep you in the temptation. It's not a super-duper faith. It's just believing what God said for the hour that you believe in. I'll trust in what he said, not what I said. So Revelations 3. Let's just go to that. So this is the sixth church age. It's by all means, as the prophet would say, it's a blending of the sixth into the seventh. And so now he says in the sixth church age, in verse 7, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, these things saith he that is holy, that is true, that has the key of David, he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth that no man openeth. So when God opens a door, no man's going to shut it. When God says, 
I'm going to have believers, or I'm going to open the door to allow the Jews back into their land. No man's going to shut that. And when God says, I'm going to allow the message to go into communist lands, no man's going to close that. So he says, now, I know thy works. Behold, I've set before thee an open door. No man can shut it, for you have a little strength. You've kept my word. You've not denied my name. Drop down to verse 10. Because you have kept the word of my patience. There's this little story of a woman, and you know the story, and it's amazing to me, in the middle of the seals, what we call this great revelation, here's the prophet telling this little story about a woman who was living on a little country farm, and there was a man from Chicago that came to the farm, and he was looking for a wife. He was a business owner. The ranch that she was working at, he was looking for a wife, and he was, all the women got dressed, and they're trying to, to ha- make him notice them. But this little woman was a servant. She washed dishes. She did the other things. And one day there was a big party, and he slipped down to where she was, and he said, I've been watching you. I've been watching your character. I've been watching how you're faithful. I've been watching all these simple things. Now, they're as simple as, as just doing what Jesus said. As simple as doing what he said for the hour that we live in. I'll come to another scripture right over here. And he says, ah, I'm looking for a wife who will be faithful and true. And he says, in one year, I'm going to come back and marry you. I'll be back in one year. And he left. Now, the other cousins heard it. And this is a little story. Actually, Brother Branham would tell it many years earlier, but he brings it back up at this time. And he's bringing it to a spiritual application. You? He's going to marry you? (laughs) Who are you? You never went to a theological college. You never did this or this. No, but I just believe his word. And I just want to serve him. And I want to be true to him. And I don't want to be anything fancy. I just want to be a Christian. I don't want to be like the world. No matter what the world does, I want to stay true to what he has seen in me. And so, I don't know all that happened in that year. I don't know how much... You know, she had to endure how much the things were, even to the day that she got her luggage ready and she's packing and they're laughing at her and she's standing there and she's waiting with her luggage and she's packed and she's ready to go and they're all laughing at her and all of a sudden here comes the sound of the wagon comes right down in front of her. He picks her up and he puts her in his arms and he takes her home. Friends, that's a reality. And it's so simple. Because she stayed true to him. Brother Ron was just sharing the other day, Ron Spencer, the other day he said, Dan Daisley, one of the last messages that he preached to this church, he, he'd been around the area, he just showed up at a church, and, and Brother Dan Daisley, he was, he's the brother in the message who, who was notorious for preaching on Snow White and the Seven Doors. And, 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 and all the other stories. And, you know, but he, he had made spiritual applications. So Brother Ron said, hey, you're going to preach for us. You're here this morning. And he comes up and he, he gets behind the pulpit and he says, my wife is having an affair. And everybody, oh. He says, yeah. And he begins to speak. 
and she's engaged in this, and she's engaged in this. And you know what he started talking about? The spiritual bride of Jesus Christ. She was being pulled into other things. Friends, there's such a danger in the hour we live in. Just stay simple. Don't get, you know, I, 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 my clock is just running on me here. I, I'm going to say it this way. How, how did the world get to where the world got to? You know, Brother Moses, you, you spoke on Sunday. You spoke on Belteshazzar, Belteshazzar, I think is his name or how it's pronounced. But he was the son of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was a Babylonian king. And, and the Babylonian king, you know, he gave birth to a Babylonian son. And the son, even though God did great things for Nebuchadnezzar, the son walked in the natural ways of the land. And, and he finally came to a place. He said, we got all these Israel, Israeli captives. You know, they got all these goblets and things from their temple. Hey, we're going to have a feast. Let's bring them out. How did he get to that level that he forgot the honor his father had placed? He, it, it took a hardening of the heart to get him to that level. And, and I would say, the world around us by their rejection of God's word to this age, has become so hardened. And I, as, as Brother Moses, as you were sharing that, and I thought of that type, and I thought, you know, it was many years ago in Canada, we had a prime minister, and, and the prime minister was the, the man who brought in abortion, was the man who had a belligerent attitude so much that he, he gave a middle finger to people. He was on a different level. His last name was Trudeau. And, and, he, and he made a mark. But now, a few years later, we got another one. And now marijuana has been legalized. What is it? It's a hardening, and it's a trap at the same time. It's a part of the world. The things that are in the world around us, how did we get to a level where where? Boys and girls are taught whatever bathroom you want to go in, go to that bathroom. Because whatever bathroom that you go in, that's the, that's the gender you are. How did the world get to that place? Because they rejected God's word. They, they not only took a lie, but now they believe a lie. God hardened them to believe it. That if you listen to questions and answers in the House of Commons, they don't even answer the question. They just believe the lie. Sorry if this gets me into trouble. But I'm just saying, that's not just in Canada. That's in every nation. How did that happen? Now, I, you'd have to say there was some seeds that were planted, and then they grew, and then they grew, and then they grew, and here we are. Now, if that's happening in the world around us, what about us? In the middle of this world, are we going to take and go the way of the world? Or are we going to take God's word and plant it and allow it to grow and to nurture it and to bring it into our homes and to teach our children and to allow these things? I'll tell you what, there is something that we have to do. There's a guard that we've been given. We are stewards of the mystery of God. 
Now we can, we can definitely see how the world has moved. But I want to see how we have moved. I don't want us just to be, well, you know, that the God of yesterday, he was there, the pillar of fire in the meetings, and he was calling things out. And he promised he's going to be there at the end. So we're going to hang on to that, and we're going to hang on to this. But what about in between? We're not just believing on the God that was and the God that will be. It's the God of today. We need to take steps today. Listen, I, I don't want to just be saying, well, you know, you know when, when, the, when the trials come, the bride will come together. I think the bride needs to come together right now. I don't, believe we need to, I don't believe we need to major on all the differences that the devil tries to put between us. I think we need to uphold one another in prayer more. I think we need to uphold our children more. I think we need to pray for our children more. I think we need to have time to talk about the things of God. Now I'm going to just take a couple quick scriptures. My goodness, how did this happen? Okay, I'm going to just jump quickly. Genesis chapter 15. Genesis 15, I guess it goes back to Abraham again. Now, here God is speaking to Abraham in verse 13. And he says to Abraham, Your seed will be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them 400 years. Now he's telling Abraham, You're going to have sons, grandsons, great grandsons. They're going to be in another land, they're going to be in Egypt. They're going to afflict them. Verse 14, and that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, but afterward they're going to come out with a great substance. Now this is a promise to Abraham. And you will go in your fathers in peace, you'll be buried in a good old age, but in the fourth generation you will come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. Now it must not have been full 50 years ago, but I tell you what, it must be getting close. Jump with me over to Exodus chapter 3. I'm just going to use these couple of quick scriptures to close this evening. Exodus chapter 3, let's go to verse 7. This is now God, the God of Abraham is still the God many generations later when Moses comes and he says, and the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. This is a fulfillment of God's promise hundreds of years ago. God doesn't forget. God never forget what Amalek did. And afterwards, the Amalekites as a nation were cursed. God will not forget what Sodom and Gomorrah did. Neither will he forget what this nation is doing. Now he's telling him, I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to do all of these things. Drop down to verse 17. I will bring you out of the affliction of the Egypt, out of Egypt into the land of such and such. Verse 18. They will hearken to your voice and they shall come. And, and you shall say, the Lord God of the Hebrews has met us. And we're coming to sacrifice. And then he says in verse 19. And I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. Oh. Hey, I thought you gave us the promise. I thought it's going to be a cakewalk. It's going to be paved. No, it's not going to be paved. He's not going to let you go. That devil, he'll do everything he can to hang on to you. 
But you got to apply the word. Don't allow a great big calamity come. You know, you, there's a couple of ways you can get rid of a devil. And I, I, I don't have time to get into it today, but one day I'll talk about it. But you talk about addictions. How does an addiction start? By watching a movie a little too long. By staying on social media a little too long. By hanging around the wrong company a little too long. How does an addiction, and before you know it, you, you, you're, you're drawn into it. You're drawn into it. Now, how do, you, how do you get rid? You can be delivered. But you can also starve that devil to death. And you starve him to death by not going down that path, by starting to feed on the right things, by starting to walk in the right things. The same way you went out is the same way you can come back. You don't need to engage in everything. Listen, I'm sure the king will not let you go except by a mighty hand. Quickly, Exodus chapter 14, verse 17. So, I, man, I don't have time to get into all of these things. Brother Moses touched on this, and, and it was just in my heart as well. Exodus 14, verse 17. Just give me just a, a bit here yet, and I'll, I'll be done in a minute. And verse 14, verse 17. And behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them, and I will get me honor upon Pharaoh and upon his host and his chariots and his horseships. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh and upon his chariots. Now, I want to just, just quickly notice this. There was a total of ten plagues. For nine of the plagues, Israel was safe because here was Egypt and here was Goshen. Go to Exodus chapter 8 and you can see. While there was lice in Egypt, there was no lice in Goshen. While there was darkness in Egypt, there was light in, in Goshen. But now, in the midst of this hardening, now there comes a final plague. And the people that took the plague, the previous plagues, lightly in Goshen, they didn't realize it wasn't just your geographics that's going to separate you. It wasn't just coming into a message church that was going to be enough. Now you actually had to be under something. You had to apply something. And it was going to be called a token. And it wasn't just going to be applied. Listen, it wasn't going to be something supernatural here. It was going to be applied by common faith. The obedience that you had in all of the other things was going to be put to the test in the final plague. If you put the blood on the door, you put the life on the door, my, my. I don't have time to get into Exodus chapter 12, but in Exodus chapter 12, it was common hyssop. Now, God allowed Pharaoh to be so hardened, but there's a danger for us that if we fall into that channel. Let's have the musicians come. There's a danger for us if we fall into that channel. And I'm saying this, friends, there's a great temptation in this hour, a great temptation. And the devil will try to draw you out He'll try to draw you into the area you're weakest in. And for all of us, ministers, we have a weakness. Fathers, men, we have a weakness. Sisters, children, teenagers, we have a weakness. But I'll say this, take the simple faith. Now, I, I had a few other scriptures I didn't get to, but you can read in, Ex, in, in, in Luke chapter 17. It was a simple analogy, but it was a servant and it was a servant. He just stayed a servant. He didn't try and get ahead of the game. He served his master. He did what was done. And when he was done and his master was finished eating, then he got the reward.
let's be faithful. There's, there's other scriptures I could bring in, but I just want to say, take simple faith. You say, there's no way I'm going to overcome all these spirits. You, you, God's not asking you to. But by the word he sent, he just looks for simple obedience, and sometimes your faith runs out. That's when the faith of God takes over. Amen. Listen, I trust that just encourages you. Stay with it. It will, it will keep you. Let's stand together. Thank you for being patient with me tonight. I won't be here this Sunday, so I just wanted to just get some things off my heart, and I did. But uh, just away for a couple of days, and so, but the brothers will be here. We've got Brother Andrew, Brother John, I think Brother Max will be ministering elsewhere, but God bless you. And, and just stay with the simple things. We're a people. There's a change. There's a season. There's things that are happening. I, I won't have time to get into other things, but let's just, let's just say this. We are in the season of the coming of the Lord. Do you know that, Brother John? Okay. We are in the season of the coming of the Lord. The signs are all around us. And the word has been restored. You can't take away the promise of the day we've waited for. We are in the season of the coming of the Lord. We are in the season of the coming of the Lord. The signs are all around us, and the word has been restored. You can't take away the promise of the day we've waited for. We are in the season of the coming of the Let's sing it one more time if you can, please. We are in the season of the coming of the Lord. The signs are all around us and the word has been restored. You can't take away the promise of the day we've waited for. We are in the season of the coming of the Lord.